Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. All right, get your words out and get ready. We're going back to the book of Mark today, okay? And today I have something very special for you. You know, every word from God is designed to change our life forever. Every time we come into God's presence, we are left with a few things that are undeniable. We're, we're left with, you know, a touch from God, walking into his presence, just like Moses. You know, Moses left and his face shined, you know. Uh, you know, when we come into the presence of God, we cannot help but be challenged and checked and changed, and uh, especially when we get a word from him. Today, I have something special that is designed to change your life forever. And uh, the title of my message is, Thus Saith the Lord. Wow. You know, that's not something that we should take lightly, by the way. Every day or two, just like you probably, you know, I get texts or emails from people that, that are wanting me to listen to a prophecy, listening to someone that, that you know, has a word from God. There, there are people everywhere searching for prophecies, searching for prophets, searching out for words. There are people everywhere that's looking, you know, what can I, what, what can I hear for my today? How can I know what God is doing today, what God expects of me? How can I understand what's going on in the world around me? And how can I make sense of this? And, and, and what do I do about my future? future you know I mean uh, listen uh, you know almost you know uh, uh, um, almost anybody who is having a word or a dream or a vision or a revelation seems like they're you know uh, getting on YouTube and 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 sharing it and uh, and people are just running to it and listening to it and trying to find out you know what can I do about my day well you know uh, I really don't wish to follow some of those who have missed it of late Hello? Who have said God said, yet God didn't say. It's evident God didn't say. You know, and, and, and well-meaning, you know, uh, uh, good people who love the Lord, who, you know, got on, uh, you, know, uh, you know, social media, got on television, got on, and said, thus saith the Lord, and then it didn't happen. I really don't wish to follow them, but what do you do when you, you know, receive a word from the Lord. So despite all of that, I'm going online today with a thus saith the Lord. I'm going to share um, a word of prophecy. You know, as I said, I don't want to follow in the footsteps of those people who have been wrong. But I'm confident that the word I'm going to share is a word from the Lord, and thus saith the Lord. You know, God is never wrong. Okay? Uh, in fact, Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, uh, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. You know, because what God says happens. With that in mind, uh, you know, 
I approach this with respect to share a prophetic word from the Lord this morning. And um, I, I too have been searching for understanding. I've been asking for understanding. I've been wanting to know what to do for my today and what to do for my future and how am I supposed to look at these things. And, uh, you know, but as I said, I, I am confident. I definitely this morning uh, uh, can definitely say, thus saith the Lord on this prophecy. Uh, and before I get to it, let me set it up because we're in the book of Mark. Allow me to, uh, to share from the book of Mark. Chapter 10 is where we are. We're in verse number 17, and uh, Jesus is on his way. This is, this is the last time, just to give you a little setting, uh, this is in about 30 A.D. It's in the spring of 30 A.D., as best I can, can, can understand. And Jesus has just left the Galilee, and he's walking south on what is the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee and down the eastern bank of the Jordan River. That area is now in the country of Jordan. And not the west bank, but on the east bank. And he's walking down and he's almost across from the city of Jericho on the other side of the Jordan River. And it's the last time that Jesus is going to make this earthly journey. He's made it so many times, but this will be the last time. He made it with his parents when he was a young child. You know, they went down for the Passover. Well, he's headed to Jerusalem for the Passover, the Passover in which he will be crucified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so it's a very important journey, and a lot of things happen on this journey. In fact, approximately 40%, 39% actually, of the total of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover just this uh, two-week period in the life of, of an earthly ministry of Jesus. And so here we are in John 10, and Jesus is already just within two weeks of the cross. He's walking with his disciples and large groups of people. People are coming from everywhere because they're on their way to Jerusalem because it is a required feast, the feast of Passover, to be observed in Jerusalem, if at all possible. And so while he is there on this road... In verse 17, it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, uh, you can read these uh, accounts also in Matthew and uh, Matthew 19, Luke 18. Okay? And they give a few more details of this event. But uh, as we put them all together, we know that the man who came running and knelt before Jesus, as Luke records, he was a rich ruler. Uh, by ruler, Luke means that he was either a ruler of the synagogue, a very, very important man from one of the cities, perhaps Jerusalem or another city uh, on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate, uh, celebrate the Passover, or perhaps he meant one of the rulers of the Jewish governmental leadership of that day. At any rate, he was a very important, very prominent, very privileged individual and uh, he was a very wealthy man, we know, and from his position as a ruler, we also understand that he was from a notable family, uh, accustomed, as I said, to power and privilege and position. He was comfortable in his position. 
Many scholars believe that he was also a young man. And it is certain that this man was very eager and he was very earnest. He was a good man, a very good man, an exemplary. He lived an exemplary lifestyle. He was young. He was rich. He was a ruler. He was from a good family. He lived an exemplary lifestyle. He was eager. He was anxious to to find Jesus because many people felt as though that Jesus, this good teacher, was a prophet. Perhaps he was a a messiah. And and here comes this this man and kneels down before him to show respect and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, However, this does show us what people believed, not only about Jesus, but what they believed about heaven in that day. He believed that Jesus might have an answer for him. So people believed that Jesus had some answers. Even rich people, wealthy people, people you know, of, of the upper crust, well-to-do people, people who you know, uh, had power and position and privilege, they believed that Jesus had some answers for them. And it also shows us what people felt about heaven. In that day, what was taught to him in that day, and indeed what is taught to many people today, that, that heaven is a place where good people go who do good things while they are on the earth. That's what he said. You know, what must I do? Do. You know, uh, One of the other Gospels says, what good thing must I do? (laughs) What good things must I do in order to to gain interest into a heaven to get get eternal life? You know, and, and Jesus, of course, you can continue reading. Jesus said, well, why are you calling me good? There's only one good, and that's God, which he is identifying, you know, himself. Jesus uh, is Messiah. So it's very interesting. You know, uh, 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 he said... Jesus said, you know the commandments, you know. I mean, don't murder anybody, don't, don't commit adultery, don't steal, uh, don't bear false witness, you know, don't defraud anybody, you know, uh, be nice to your parents, honor your mother and your father. And, and so this, this young rich ruler said, I have done all those things. Wow, what an exemplary lifestyle. I have done all those things from my youth. I mean, I was raised that way. That's the way I was raised. I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't committed adultery. I hadn't stolen anything. I hadn't cheated, hadn't defrauded anybody. And, and I have honored my mother and my father. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm doing good. But yet there was an emptiness within him. And notice what the Scripture says about Jesus here. Now, Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's no criticism. Jesus doesn't argue with him. He's saying, no, you haven't, you sinner. He didn't say that. You know, he's not in disagreement with the man. You know, uh, no condemnation, no criticism, no rejection, no disapproval. Jesus gave this young, rich ruler, this man of prominence and position and power, he gave him his full attention. Jesus looked at him, gave him his full attention, and, uh, you know, his heartfelt love, and Jesus gave him honest encouragement. Verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at this man, loved him. Isn't that interesting? Jesus gave him full attention, and Jesus loved him. Okay, This is the way Jesus does for everybody, by the way. 
Okay? Without respect to whether you know, you're on the bottom or the top of the totem pole, Jesus is going to give you his full attention. You come to him and ask him an earnest question. You ask him an honest, heartfelt question. He's going to answer your question. He's going to love you. He's going to care about you. He's going to give you his attention. And he is going to give you an honest answer, which encourages you to do what you need to do to accomplish what you're seeking from him. He said, he, loved, he, he looked on him, he loved him, and he said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross and follow me. Wow, tall order. By the way, Jesus didn't say give away, he said give to. He said invest in. Okay, just so that you won't think that Jesus wants you to get rid of your money. That's not the point. And he doesn't want you to get rid of your stuff. That's not the point. Don't read that in there. Jesus was trying to make this man really rich. He's trying to make him really wealthy and eternally wealthy. Okay, what he was wanting this young man to do is to get what he had and what he thought out of the way so he could follow Christ. Come and follow me. Well, the Bible says, if you continue reading in verse 22, that the man went away sad. He was sad because what Jesus had said, and he went away sorrowful. Why? The Bible says, because he had great possessions. He went away upset because he had so much to give. Isn't that interesting? He had too much to give. Then Jesus kind of looked around at his disciples who were watching all of this on that road. And, and Jesus said this, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Whoa. <laughs> how hard it is for those who are doing okay financially or with some power, some position, some prominence, some privilege. How hard it is for those who are wealthy or rich or those who are doing okay. How hard it is for those people as a people group. Now, Jesus is talking about people groups. Jesus did this a lot. It shouldn't offend us whenever Jesus talks about people group. If we're in that people group and we're not like the people that Jesus is talking about, okay, come on, just, just cut some slack. Whatever Jesus did is okay. okay? He said... It is hard for those who have riches to enter in the kingdom. Well, verse 24, when his disciples heard this, and the disciples were astonished at his words. The rich man was sad at his words, and now the disciples are shocked at his words. You know, they're astonished. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children. Now, Jesus is trying to explain it to them. How hard it is for those who trust in riches. I'm not talking about every rich person, but I am talking about people who put their trust in riches. How hard it is for people who put their trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus went on to say, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, talking about that little opening in a gate of a city that the camel had to strip himself off of all of the baggage that he was carrying and literally get down on the knees. They had to make the camel and, 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 and just squeeze through that little gate. Unburden himself with everything and get through that little gate called the eye of the needle. How hard it is, he said. It, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, and the disciples, they were greatly astonished 
And they begin to talk among themselves and say to themselves, who then can be saved? Now, are you catching what's going on here? Their world had just been shattered. Here these disciples that had been following Jesus for three and a half years, their whole world had just been shattered. They were shocked, they were astonished, they were surprised, and even after Jesus explained it, uh, what they're saying to themselves, my goodness, almost everyone we know is not going to make it. They consider themselves to be rich. You know, uh, James and John's dad owned fishing boats and he had hired servants. And, you know, uh, and Matthew, Matthew's family was very, very well to do evidently because they were able to use their connections to get him a cushy governmental job as a tax collector in one of the most fertile and profitable areas of the Galilee. I mean, these guys were doing okay. And the people they ran around with, the people that they were, you know, uh, visiting and sharing with and eating with, were publicans and notable sinners and tax collectors like Zacchaeus and rich men like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and, and all these. I mean, the people that they knew and the people they were around and the people they were, you know, I mean, all these people, they, I mean, they were always around and hanging around people who they knew to be rich and wealthy. Even the ladies that followed Jesus, the Bible says, there were three very wealthy ladies that went with him and paid all the bills. One of them was the wife of the chief steward of Herod wealthy women and now these disciples they are thinking who in the world I mean are we even going to make it what's going on here their question was in earnest who then can be saved they were astonished. If it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person entering the kingdom of God, oh my goodness, can we be saved? Verse 27, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but with God, uh, uh, but not with God. With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Now, Jesus is letting them realize that, that, that you can only enter the kingdom of God with God, okay? Uh, you know, it's not impossible for rich men to be saved, but it is impossible for them to be saved on their own merits. It is impossible for anyone to be saved on their own merits by themselves. You know, uh, as a group, as, uh, as, as I said, Jesus said, rich people find it hard to trust God. They most often prefer riches to following Christ. Peter's getting a little personally worried here. He's about to have an insecurity meltdown. Okay? This is bothering him. Peter had this ability that whatever Jesus said, Peter turned it on himself and wanted to know how does this affect me. You know, and he, I mean, so now Peter's listening to all this and all this is going on and Peter kind of turns it on himself and he's going, oh, 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 I'm a little insecure here. I feel like Jesus might be talking about me. I've, you know, and so here, you know, uh, bless his heart, you know, Jesus is always having to leave something that, that, that seems more important on the road and turn and minister to his disciples and try to catch them up and keep them going and keep them along, you know. I mean, he's always having to go back and say, okay, now come on, guys. Listen, you didn't understand that. How are you going to understand all the rest of this? Okay, come on. He upbraided them for the hardness of heart and their unbelief. He gets in the boat and says, where is your faith? Oh, come on now. You know, 
Don't you understand? You know, uh, he's, he's always having to pay attention. And many times it's Peter he's having to pay attention to because Peter has a real kind of, you know, a, a very sanguine personality and a little bombastic and a little, you know, excited. And, uh, but everything that happens, Peter kind of whoo, turns it on himself. And so Peter here is having this little meltdown. He's letting his insecurities get the best of him here. But he's wanting to be reassured that, Jesus, are you talking about me? <laughs> Anybody ever feel that way? You ever feel like the preacher might be talking about you? So in verse 28, then Peter began to say to Jesus, now look here, Jesus, see, look, <laughs> look. we have left everything, uh, we have left all and, 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 and followed you, okay? Now, I, I just want you to know that I'm not like that guy. Uh, don't put me in that category. I mean, you know, I mean, this sounds a little scary to me, and, uh, you know, I just want you to know that I gave up everything to follow you. Remember, I, I said I was going to share a prophetic word that would help you understand the times and give you direction for the future. Well, here it is. Thus saith the Lord. We're going to find it here in verse 29, 30, 31. Okay. How do I know it's a thus saith the Lord? Because the Lord said it. This is one you can depend on. You want to hear something prophetic go to the word of god stop following people around thinking that somehow they have some special channeling ability i believe in prophecy and i believe in prophets but let me tell you the most sure word of prophecy it's written right here in the word of god you want to have a little understanding of what's going on today Verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you that no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But listen to the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Listen. Those who put their trust in riches, power, good works, high positions. The word says they will pierce themselves through with many sorrows. For it is impossible to cover your sin with money or good works, let alone the impossibilities of covering selfish and evil ambitions with money or good works. Being first in this life means nothing in the next. And unless and until we buy into that as truth, we may yet continue to pursue power and privilege and prominence and position above pleasing the Lord. I believe with all of my heart that God wants you to be wealthy. But the Bible says a man's wealth does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. I consider myself to be a very, very wealthy man. But there is nothing 
that's going to take the place of Jesus or move me into some pursuit that I know is against the will of God. We can't afford it. For there's nothing else that's going to satisfy, nothing else that's going to make happy. And what my trust is, is that others will see and hear this same truth. Let me assure you that if you miss heaven, if you miss heaven, it will not be because Jesus did not love you. It will not be because you have not heard the truth. And it will not be because you are too poor to help others in need. You cannot go to heaven because you didn't kill somebody. That does not make you good enough. You can't go to heaven because you don't commit adultery. That won't make you good enough. You can't go to heaven because you weren't a thief. You can't wear that as a badge and think that you're better than others and for some reason have some privilege. You cannot go to heaven because you did not falsely accuse or cheat someone. You cannot go to heaven simply because you were good to your parents or honored them. That's what the young rich ruler believed. He had done that all of his life. He was a better man than I am. He had more claim to heaven than do I. But yet there was one thing that he lacked. And that one thing which you can find today, let me assure you, if you miss heaven, it will be because you refused to follow Christ. Follow Jesus above your commitment to any other entity, organization, culture, custom, tradition, party. Follow Christ. No well-meaning good intentions or good works will cover your sin. Following Christ will. Jesus told a rich man, Y'all know the rich man in John chapter 3. His name was Nicodemus. He was a very good man. Uh, another exemplary, wealthy man. A good man that did good works. In John 3 verse 7, Jesus said, Don't be amazed. Don't be shocked when I tell you, you must be born again. You must be born again. You say, preacher, all we ever hear from this church is that you must be born again. Let me tell you, today it's more critical than ever. Today it is more certain that Jesus is coming sooner today than ever before. And he's coming for you in your lifetime. You must be born again. You cannot cover your sin with money or good works or good intentions. You cannot cover your sin by simply not sinning. It takes the blood of Christ. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, many who are first today will be last in that day. And many who are last, many who undergo persecutions, many who are carrying the burden 
shining the light and are ill thought of, disrespected, unappreciated in this life shall in that day be first. Which do you choose? It is a choice. What the young rich ruler imagined is that if he chose to follow Christ, he would lose his power. He would lose his prominence. He would lose his position. He would lose his privilege. He would lose all of those things that money afforded him, that his birthright gave him. He would lose all of his achievements. He would lose all of the things that he had worked so hard for. Title, wealth, power, privilege, position, political affiliation, personal and professional pursuits. It would cost him everything if he followed Christ. And yet he did not hear what Jesus said, I will give you true riches. And he went on to tell his disciples that no man has laid down at the altar houses and families and, and positions and power and lands that will not in this lifetime receive much more, a hundredfold, and in the life to come, eternal life. But believe me, there will be some persecutions if you decide to live for Christ. You might say, Pastor, I'm not being persecuted. Let me ask you, when is the last time that you stopped someone in mid-conversation and asked them if they were born again? When's the last time that you gave someone some money on the side of the street? Because you know what? Many times what you fear in helping someone who is you know, asking for money, you fear that if I go home and tell somebody or tell my friends, they're going to say, you're stupid. Well, call me stupid. Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me they're going to go do something with it that, that, that God would never approve of and that somehow that, that sanctifies me and, and, and makes me exempt from helping others. See, Jesus was on a journey to find someone that day that would help the poor. He stopped right there at the young rich ruler and what he told the young rich ruler is that if you will go and sell everything you have and if you will go and help the poor with it, I will make sure you don't lose out. I'll make sure that you are blessed not only in this life but in the life to come the young rich ruler said no do you know the next stop Jesus made the next stop that Jesus made was under a sycamore tree. He walked right down the road and walked right into Jericho. He stopped under that little, that huge sycamore tree, and he looked up in that tree, and there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a notorious sinner, a tax collector. He had cheated and robbed everybody in his region, and, he, and everybody knew it. And Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. Why? Why? Because Jesus was looking for somebody to help the poor. And after the encounter, we are not privileged to know all that took place in Zacchaeus' home. But we do know this. When Zacchaeus exited the meeting he had with Jesus, he went and sold what he had, and he gave half to the poor. And to the rest of it, he restored to everybody anything he had stolen from them with interest. Jesus 
was on a journey. He was on his way to the cross, but he was looking for somebody who would give to the poor, somebody that would help, somebody that would follow him, somebody that would risk their reputation, somebody that would risk their wealth, somebody that cared more about the people that Jesus loved, that Jesus was reaching out to, than they did themselves. Well, that's some good preaching, isn't it? <laughs> Well, you get the prophetic word, right? What's going on today? Same thing as going on back then. People pursuing power and position and privilege and prominence. And those things, you know, aren't bad. They're not. Those aren't, those aren't bad, okay? It's just whenever you're doing it at the expense of following Christ as your single pursuit that's when it gets outside of the envelope of God's will so today you know it is the hope of Christ and it's my hope that everyone who is rich rich in power rich in prominence rich in privilege rich in position rich you know financially rich in family it is my hope that everyone who is rich will turn their lives over to Christ and not use their power and their position to achieve some selfish ambition some personal pursuit some ungodly endeavor or even just good works in their own name This is the hope of Jesus. It is my hope. And I pray it's your hope. If it's not your hope, you may need to be born again. I'm hoping people change. Jesus gave the man a chance to change. He didn't. That's on him. But the future is up to Jesus. What's going to happen in the future? <laughs> the future is up to Jesus. What do I need to do today? What do you need to do today? I need to take up my cross and follow him. Take up your cross. Follow Christ. Make a renewed commitment to him today. And it's his, you know, it's to his benefit that you have more. If he knows what you're going to do with the more you get. Okay. Don't pursue the more. Pursue Him. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Today, thus saith the Lord, many who are first today will be last in that day. Don't let that be your testimony. Follow Christ. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.